Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Thanks living. Thanks living. It's not always uh, it's not always easy to be thankful, is it? Grumpy comes natural. <laughs> is anyone in here a terror until you get coffee in the morning? Yeah, thank you, Brother Staten. Appreciate it. I thought you might be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We need, to, we need to do our best to learn how to live thankful, even when it's not convenient. I have a tendency on these Wednesday nights to teach myself and let you listen. It helps me. We're all just trying to do better, aren't we? But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to work to do better. We've got to press toward the mark. We've got to press toward it. For the king, we've got to be intentional about it. Praise God. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. I mentioned this two Sunday mornings ago, but I'm going to start tonight's Thanksgiving session on focusing or fresh focus on peace by saying these words. If you're easily offended, you need to get over that. You need to spiritually mature. Ah, that's like a good drink of Coca-Cola right there. And if you're a Pepsi person, that's your problem. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't be easily offended. Great peace have they which love thy law, which love thy law. John chapter 14. This is really our teaching text for the night, verses 23 through 27. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man loves me, he'll keep my words. My Father will love him and come unto him. Make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet, what? Present with you. But the Comforter, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. In verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Wow. Not, here it is, because this is the great contrast where we live. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk starting here tonight about a peacemaker for today. Peacemaker for today. If you believe that we should have peace, say amen. amen. If you would like to have peace, Say amen. amen. Peace, P-E-A-C-E. Next week, you're going to be grabbing a piece of turkey. My wife, on the way to service tonight, went through the Thanksgiving meal options. She said, is anything missing from this list? You wouldn't have thought so. But she gave an open invitation. So we added about 15 things. <laughs> not, the peace we're talking about tonight is the peace that God gives. P-E-A-C-E. -E. Our lesson text, it consists of the first part of Jesus' answer to the question Judas. Now, not... Not Judas Iscariot. When we hear Judas, we always want to go to Judas Iscariot, but not Judas Iscariot. Uh, he had asked in the previous verse there, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? At first glance, it might be difficult to understand why Jesus seems to avoid kind of directly answering this question, but we're going to kind of work to understand the meaning of Jesus' answer in John 14 here in the rest of our lesson tonight. To begin, it's helpful to realize that within the larger context of this whole section of John's gospel, Judas's question reflected the disciples' anxiety related to Jesus' imminent departure. After Jesus had informed them, whither I go, ye cannot come, Peter, Thomas, and the others immediately began to wonder. They wanted to know, where is Jesus going? <laughs> Why can't we go? And they wanted to know which road he was going to take. Well, you know, we know now on this side of time, you don't want to go. <laughs> Not the way he's going to go. And yet, and yet most of them would end up having to deal with the same type of torture to follow Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, being per persecuted for Christ is not a new thing. We've not we have not tasted the likes of which most of them, I mean, not even to announce. It's one thing to shout about peace. It's another thing to find it in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of persecution. While these questions from the, the, the men, they're somewhat misguided, necessitating Jesus' further explanations. It's not difficult to understand how the disciples were feeling. It does seem, Brother Titus, it makes sense that they had been walking with him and He's leaving them, and, and, and their questions, they, I think they're questions that most of us would have came up with. 
We would have been asking, wanting to know for... They were distressed to think about the fact that he was going to leave them after only a, a few short years. Things are going really good. You know, minus the most recent persecution, things are really, really well. This would entail a disruption of their expectations. They're struggling to find answers about an uncertain future. Far from being calm and peaceful, they were overcome by worry. Oh, doesn't that sound like today? They're overcome by worry. I was able to meet an incredible guy first thing this morning, got to meet a guy, and, and we had only get a couple minutes into our conversation, does not attend the church. He's just a great guy from the community that I got to meet and um, actually told me he'd be watching tonight. He might be watching tonight, but we began to dialogue and talk, and he began to talk to me about some, some, some worry that he's been dealing with, some fear and anxiety, and unfortunately, it's running rampant in our world right now. Ladies and gentlemen, there is an answer, and that answer's name is Jesus Christ. How many believe that that is accurate? There, there is an answer. There's an answer to fear. It's the song they sang the other day. Holiness has a name and it's Jesus. Peace has a name. It's Jesus. Remember that old song? Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Yeah. In the, okay. It's hard, isn't it? You put somebody on the organ. I already did that a couple Sundays ago. I got to stop. In the 21st century, we often find ourselves in similar emotional states. As they were there, so we are now. We've got to find out. Listen, first of all, I think we have to say this. Living in fear or worry is not the answer. Living without peace is living short of the promises of God. Doesn't mean you're going to have full peace every moment of every day. You find your peace in Him. You find your assurance in Him. But there will be, you're going to get calls. You're going to get diagnosis. You're going to deal with situation. But knowing where to find the peace. Does that make sense? That should be the constant or the consistent. What are those questions? Questions that are bombarding. Will we have enough money to retire? <laughs> How old will you have to be to claim Social Security in my generation? What will that be for our children? You can begin drawing Social Security at 103. <laughs> What's it going to look like? How about questions to the end of how do I process or portray joy following this diagnosis? And maybe, maybe I could go one further. And am I a bad Christian if I don't know how to find joy in this season? Hmm. I would tell you that these concerns are legitimate. However, like the disciples, we might be asking the wrong questions. Uncertainty about the future will always be a part of the human condition, but there is a way to live in peace. Everybody say, there is a way. 
Come what may, we must place our confidence in God's goodness and His ability to ensure all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose, according to Romans 8 and 28. The true test is in the middle of the trial being able to cling to the truth of Scripture. Have you ever had to just smile and say it when you don't feel it? If you've been living for God for any period of time, you've had to do this. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you can feel as though you're faking it, not faithing it. How are you? Oh, we're good. You know you're terrible. It's been a terrible day. Things haven't gone well. But what are you clinging to? Don't fake it. Faith it. Draw back to this. You want to really upset heaven? Every now and then, in your house when no one's around, quote the power of this scripture. All things work together for good. All things work together. That'll help you find peace. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we are living in a world that is looking for peace in all the wrong places. Yes, they are. They're looking for peace. So many people are excited about Thanksgiving. The why? Well, of course, family get together until people start announcing in certain states that if you have more than 10 in a, in a home, they're going to try to knock the door down. Come on. Looking forward to Christmas. Why? Presents. Are there any adults in here, you can, you can just be honest, you're a big kid and you still get excited about getting gifts? Thank you, John. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Still get excited? Just give me some gifts. Some of you can, some of you can help me. You can look back and you can remember as a kid, we always looked forward. To stay excited, you always looked forward. Be having a terrible day, but then you think about the fact that you were going to get to stay the night at a friend's house? This day ain't so bad. Why? Because I'm going to skate through it. And what would our parents say to us? Don't wish your life away. Remember that? But right now we have a world that is looking for hope in all the wrong places. I'm going to tell you how they're doing it. And too much of it has been placed into the church how about a temporary escape from economic difficulties by just putting those charges on the credit card? <laughs> uh huh. How about uh? How about you mad, mad the way things are going at work, so you call in sick even though you weren't? Take a little vacation, one day stroll down to. I don't know, Nashville, Indiana, Brown County. If I say that right, I think. I don't know, it's really pretty. Whatever it is. Get down there, get away for just a little while. I'm going to tell you what. You found this already. So I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to. The world needs to know quick fixes will still leave you desperate. 
charge that on a credit card, guess what? You give it about 10, 15 days, the bill is coming in the mail. You'll find out you didn't need that suit or that gun. Well, maybe you needed the gun. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Temporary fixes are not going to bring long-lasting joy. When Jesus informed the disciples, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Judas and the other disciples, they, they must have experienced profound disappointment. They had hoped the larger populace was going to recognize Jesus as the true Messiah. If he were preparing to leave them now, what would become of their dreams of this earthly Jewish kingdom? Jesus, don't do this. We got big plans. We, we got big plans. Your big plans and his big plans are not even in the same stratosphere. But isn't it something? It's not, it's not just the disciples. We do it in our day and age. Our big plans and his big plans, they don't match up. We've got to guard that though. The only way, regardless of whether you're from the youngest in this room to the eldest in here, the only way to find lasting peace is through an intimate relationship and connection with Jesus Christ. It's the only way to find lasting peace. He'll be good when your spouse is it. He'll stay faithful when your kids are heathens. He'll be likable when you don't like yourself. Hey, Brother Ross, he is faithful. He is faithful. They expected Jesus the Messiah to establish ethnic Israel as a political power in a world dominated by the Roman Empire. Even after the resurrection, the disciples, they remained confused on this point, asking, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? In this light, Judas's question, now it begins to make more sense. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, not unto the world? Judas seemed to have had been implying that Jesus could not leave because his messianic task was not complete. The crowds had eaten the bread and received the miracles, but the widespread acclaim for Jesus that the disciples desired had not come about. Indeed, Jesus had offered resistance to the crowd's intent to make him a king. Judas, he wanted to know why Jesus had revealed his true identity to the small inner circle only while allowing the larger world to remain in the dark. In Jesus' answer, we watch as he gently kind of redirects Judas's attention to the more critical issue. Jesus answered and said, if a man loves me, he's going to keep my words. And my Father, my Father will love him and we will come into him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's 
which sent me. It seems as though Jesus is telling Judas and the others present that it would be important in the future whether or not they obeyed Him, loved Him, had a relationship with Him, not which nation held political power. Rise and fall of power is not the true identifier of peace. You spending 10 hours a day consumed with news media is not going to bring you peace. It's not. It's not. I don't care where you fall on the side of the political spectrum, and I don't think church is the place for it. And I'm going to tell you this. If your peace is in a man, then your peace is in the wrong place. Unless the man your peace is in is Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Uh Uh-huh. That's where true peace comes with. So that's what part of thanks living is. Thanks living is getting up and saying, it might not have went my way, but it all went my way when I was able to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Ghost. No, everything in the social climate might not line up with where I wish it would, but let me tell you, Brother East, what does line up? The fact that I should be on my way to hell, but instead I'm on my way to heaven. And if if everything ends today, ladies and gentlemen, if everything ended today, if you're in the church, you have made it. That's what matters. That's what matters. So no, we don't have time to, we don't have time like the disciples and like Judas in this scenario to be confused with trying to get an earthly kingdom established. Do I think we have to give our very best of building the church? Absolutely. I think that's obvious. We're working together. We want to make the church great, but I do not want the church to become a kingdom. I don't want the church to become a kingdom where we posture for titles and roles and positions. If you're truly going to serve His kingdom, that's what you're going to do is serve His kingdom. Jesus is trying to give an identifier and an understanding here. It's going to be bigger than, than uh, some kind of a, a, a political power and a gesture that takes place from the things in this world. The psalmist expressed in a profound truth when he declared some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. If I would try to take the psalmist from Psalm 20 and verse 7 and I try to bring it into today's modern world, I would tell you some trust in economic powers and some trust in currency and, and some trust in astrophysicists and some trust in scientists and some trust in the latest vaccines. But we, my, we trust in the name of the Lord. It's what we trust in. I thank God, forgive me, I'm going to get preachy for about two minutes and then I'll teach, okay? Thank God for the scientists, thank God for the doctors, thank God for the vaccines and whatever else. And and Thank God, thank God. But at the end of the day, if you want joy, Jesus. If you want peace, you got to have the Holy Ghost without which you're not going to find comfort outside of the Holy Ghost. 
And I'm going to take it a step further. And you're not going to have the Holy Ghost by signing your name on a member roll somewhere. Or by joining a church by walking in or getting a part of another club. If you're going to really have peace, you've got to get the Holy Ghost inside of you. Amen. Amen. Whew. Turn to your neighbor and say, he got excited for a second. I did get excited. He said the comforter's going to come. Comforter's going to come. The comforter's going to come. So when this Thanksgiving might be the, the, the worst economic one you've ever had and the lowest finances you've ever had, that's not what brings you joy. Don't you dare sit around talking about how good it used to be five years ago. My God, I feel something right now. Don't you dare compare this Christmas with Christmas five years ago. If he gave you another day to draw breath in your lungs, then you exhale with praise. You exhale by saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's worthy of all the goodness that I can possibly. No, everything's not great in my, no, everything's not perfect in the world, but, but he is perfect and he is worthy. And, mm. World's looking for peace in all the wrong, all the wrong places. Thinking that new car is going to give peace. It's not. It's going to need oil change too. It's going to need gas too, unless it's a Tesla. And then you're going to be like that sweet clip that went viral last couple weeks ago of this young lady trying to put gas in her Tesla. If you didn't see that, I'm shocked. She's just, she just looking everywhere, got holding the gas, just looking everywhere for where the... If you've ever rented a car and you pull in on the wrong side, go to get gas, it's the most frustrating thing. So embarrassing, got to put it, turn back around, try to find where the gas tanks are. <clears throat> but if you pull up in a Tesla, <sighs> you just, well. Let's talk, number two. Peace, peace promised. How about this? Peace given. Peace is a promised gift from God. Near the beginning of his letters, Paul often conferred on his readers grace and peace from the God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look at Galatians 1, Philippians 1, 1 Thessalonians 1. It's also a common practice among other New Testament authors. 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter, 2 John. You got those there. The perceptive reader will wonder what Jesus meant by contrasting the way that he would give peace with the way that the world gives peace. One can certainly note in a rather general way that obedience to the gospel and subsequent faithfulness to the Christian life results in a profound peace for the human soul. We are created to love and worship God. Therefore, we will never truly be content doing anything else. Mm. It's what we were designed for, ladies and gentlemen. 
Doubtless this godly peace can be contrasted with the temporary distractions and pleasures of sin which ultimately fail to satisfy one's need for God. But it seems that Jesus must have been getting at something more than rather simple truism. In considering the way the disciples must have understood the word world in our text, is it's helpful to note that for all practical purposes, the world of Jesus' day was a Roman world. Jesus lived and John wrote his gospel during the period of that Pax Romana or the Roman peace in which Rome was the largely undisputed political authority in the entire Mediterranean world. Rome's emperors were proud of the peace that they maintained throughout the Roman Empire. Edward Gibbon reminded us that this so-called peace was both bloody and costly. The terror of the Roman arms added weight and dignity to the moderation of the emperors. They preserved peace by a constant preparation for war. And while justice regulated their conduct, they announced to the nations on their confines that they were as little disposed to endure as to offer an injury. In short, the disciples and everyone else living in the Roman Empire were used to thinking of peace as something enforced and maintained by military might, keeping the peace. It's only natural that they expected their Messiah to establish the promised peace by overthrowing the Gentile political kingdoms. That's the lens with which they saw the world. Fight. I would pause and tell you right now, there still is a fight for us to have. We fight not wrestling flesh and blood. But we do have a strength in us, ladies and gentlemen. John 14, 27, Jesus was explaining that the peace He brought was out of a completely different sort than proclaimed by Rome. Roman peace was only maintained by the threat of violent subjugation and even death at the hand of a powerful military machine. Clearly, Jesus had a different kind of peace in mind. Jesus would certainly give the disciples peace, but the Roman Empire would still be around for quite some time. Even after Rome's fall, Christians would face the oppression of other political and religious powers through the coming millennia. Jesus made this clear when He informed the disciples that if the world hates you, then you need to know that it hated me before it hated you. John chapter 15. If they... If they have persecuted me, they're going to also persecute you. At the end of the discourse, Jesus implied that they would continue to face tribulation in the world indefinitely. These things I've spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He didn't say you will cease to have persecution. He said you will have persecution. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The peace Jesus would give would not prevent recipients from facing oppression. The good news, the basis for this promised inner peace was that Jesus had overcome the world. Pastor, I'm facing persecution. Be of good cheer. 
It's hard to smile in a storm. But you can if you know that He has overcome the world. How about peace received? We begin to see that the disciples overcome by anxiety over Jesus' imminent death were unable to understand what they saw clearly after the resurrection. If Jesus had not died, He would have been unable to demonstrate His victory over death. The cross was necessary. That's what's baffling in our modern Christian context is that I know that we know better, but we still, we still want Christianity without modern crosses. And it does not exist. You will bear a cross to follow Him. You will endure hardship. You will endure persecution. But he proves his victory over death. Rather than simply defeating the Romans' military, fighting death with more death, Jesus intends to subvert the power of death itself by rising. We don't just dress nice on Easter because we like spring colors. We come together and we celebrate. He is Alive. He's alive. To say he is alive does not discount, but rather emphasizes the reality he was dead. No one shouts that. Maybe they did at first, but no one shouts that. But he did die. But he overcame death. In the early church period, the apostles were willing to face persecution, imprisonment, death even without fear, because they served a risen Lord who had demonstrated his absolute dominion over death itself. The resurrection means that death, the world's ultimate weapon, weapon is not to be feared. What's 1 Corinthians 15? O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? From our historical vantage point, it's easy to see that if Jesus had simply overthrown the Roman Empire and established a a similar kingdom in its place, it would have meant almost nothing. It would have only stood in time. What he was doing was establishing for eternity. He would have been just another military leader in those long annals of history. Thankfully, Jesus established much more than another human kingdom. What had Isaiah prophesied about him? For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of... Ah... The prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. How wonderful to know that when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm, we, begin to, we begin to take that comfort and that peace. Or rather than take, maybe I should say it is given. Because you can't earn this. 
But you, but you can't accept it. You can't accept Scripture. You can't allow it to be applied to your life, thank God. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink on the, on the precipice of thanksgiving, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have a great time with family, but let there be righteousness. Let there be joy. Let there be peace in the Holy Ghost. Last point. Now, I'll breeze through this. I'll try. Perfect peace within. There remains one small portion of our lesson. Text to consider after promising that he would give them peace. Jesus admonished his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. These words represented a formidable challenge for the disciples. Jesus' arrest, trial, violent crucifixion, they're close at hand. How were they to live through these events free from worry and fear? Because how many know it's one thing to hear it preached, it's another thing to live it. It is one thing for me to get up on a Sunday and say, you can do it in the name of the Lord. And you, wow! Monday, Monday. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. It seems clear that, that they didn't. Peter. And an unnamed disciple accompanied Jesus part of the way. Unfortunately, according to Mark's gospel, the third time Peter was approached by someone who said he was one of them, he began to curse. <laughs> he began to swear, saying, I don't know the man you're talking about. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. The rest of the disciples addressed in John 14 are strangely absent from the narrative. In spite of this failure on the part of the disciples as we read John's gospel today, we can learn from their examples. Peter had declared, I will lay down my life for thy sake in John 13, 37. But when this bold declaration was put to the test, if you're going to walk the, or talk the talk, you got to, Remember that? I know that's really old. But it's still true. Why? How did this, how did this happen? I believe, I believe it was a failure of faith. It was a failure of faith. Peter and the other disciples likely had begun to doubt that Jesus was really the Christ or or at least in the moment, it was tough to accept the distance between them. It was tough to accept that Christ was gone. How can I be strong when he's no longer close to me? Peter had affirmed him to be. He had affirmed him to be the Christ. Thou art the Christ. I've never met him before. How do you get from this 
to this. Persecution minus your support group. Persecution minus your support group. Part of the peace in your life will come from the people in your life. Yes, it will. None of the disciples could have anticipated the horrible event of Jesus' crucifixion on a Roman cross, regardless of what he would try to let them know. When this occurred, their faith was dealt a severe blow. Now, I will tell you, folks, it's easy to criticize the disciples if we wanted to for their lack of faith or to humanize them in such a way to make us feel better, but we can easily fall prey to the same temptation day in and day out right now. When we fail to trust God completely, the adverse circumstances of life will rob us of peace. But Jesus' resurrection reminds us that when our circumstances might look hopeless, when it might seem as though there is nothing left, God is still in complete control. If your peace is founded in you, it's going to fail anyway. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How about those paths of peace? If we love one another, we will work to avoid dissension and division. In Ephesians and elsewhere, it's argued that Gentiles and Jews were made one in Christ. That's what I'm talking about there with the people, the people. Harmonious fellowship and unity in the church reflect this reality to the world and as such should be a part of the normal Christian life. We're letting people know we know where we find peace. We find our peace in Christ, but we also find it strengthened in our company. How about peace that passes understanding? How many have ever had that said to you or you had to say it to someone else? I'm praying for a peace that passes understanding. The peace that Jesus offers is nothing short of amazing. When we, choose, when we choose to entrust our lives in His care, that, 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 that care, that profound relief, that strong confidence that's able to flood into our souls, into our hearts, into our minds. We are challenged to allow God in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 to carry our anxieties away. Carry them. Our task is simply to maintain a spirit of thankfulness while offering our request to God in prayer. When we do this, we have this blessed promise and the peace of God. Everybody say the peace of God. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. Going back to my intro remarks, peace, P-I-E-C-E versus P-E-A-C-E, peace. I don't want just a piece of peace. I don't, I don't want to turn this into a, a Thanksgiving an hour after I've already eaten and someone says, do you want another piece of pie? I'll just, just a sliver. 
Just a sliver. Just give me just a little bit. But the problem is, if we're not careful, we're living in a world right now that is substituting a piece of peace. I'll just put on a show so I don't have to deal with the reality of my life. I'll go swipe the card so I don't have... It's what I was talking about. It's where we're at. We need to have peace that's in joy. Jesus is our peace in a troubled world. That story that's recounted multiple times in the, in the Gospels, Matthew 8, Mark 4, Luke 8, about that storm that's taking place. Jesus was calmly sleeping. First message I ever preached was out of that text. First message I ever got to preach, I was just, a, I think I was 15 years old and they let me preach. That was ambitious. I got up and I preached a message. Remember who's on your ship. Remember who's on your ship. They were so fearful. What did he do? He rebukes the wind. He, he speaks to it. What's he say? Peace, be still. They get questioned about the amount of faith that they have. Depending on which gospel and how you read it, you see that Jesus is not intimidated. And I close tonight by telling you this. He's not intimidated by the storm in your life either. You know why he wasn't intimidated by the storm in their life for the Kilman? Because it was the same in his. The storm in their life was the same storm in his life. And while you might not see him and you can't run to the bottom of a physical boat and, and shake him and wake him up and say, Jesus, come up, but you can go, go to him in prayer. If you truly believe that he is walking with you, then you need to remember the storm you're in, he's in too. The storm you're walking through is the same storm he's been sleeping through. Oh, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Thank you very much for that, Elijah. He's not intimidated by your storm, but he is bothered by your lack of peace. <laughs> he, I, I think he is bothered when we say we're full of the Holy Ghost, but we exclude the Prince of Peace from it. As if we only got a piece of Christ. I don't... I'm stopping. See this? I'm closing it. See that? Closed it. I don't believe in lesser forms of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe in some modern day watered down version of the Holy Ghost. I believe either you've got the Spirit of God or you don't. I believe either you had that initial evidence when you received it and you spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost gave the, as the Spirit gave the utterance. And when you get God, you get love and you get joy and you get peace. I, I believe in the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't think you get God and got to live fearful. I do think that's a lie from hell on our age more than any other before. I did not say I think you'll get the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden everything's great. You're still going to have to fight through life. But I do not think that we should have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God living inside of us, and choose to live without peace. I don't believe that. Stand with me. If you trust me enough, I want you to repeat after me. I refuse to live with a little piece of peace. 
now that you know what I said, if you didn't say it the first time, you can say it with me this time. I refuse to live live with a little piece of peace. peace. Hey, there is no lesser version of God. There is one. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And if He's in you, listen, if He's in here, folks, we got to get Him in here. I'm going to talk to me. Josh Carson, you need a fresh baptism of your brain every day so that the heart doesn't stay good while the brain goes bad. Man, I feel something right now. I, I really do. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and I want you to pray that the peace of God Jesus name if you're watching online tonight I want you to lift your hands in submission to the Lord right now come on lifting up holy hands even right there in your living room or in your office wherever you are I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say I don't I don't want to settle God for less than what you have for me I don't want to be caught up in worry and doubt and fear and anxiety I I want to live a life of thanksgiving and thanks living. And I want to focus. I, I want a fresh focus on the peace of God. The peace that passes. Whew. Praise God. Mm.